Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. You are listening to a sermon series through the book of James, entitled, Wisdom for Life. The Bible reading is from James chapter 2 and verses 14 to 26. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was it not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see what his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does, and not by faith alone. In the same way, Was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Well, James, Jesus' little brother, gives us wisdom for life. And it's a series we've been looking at and working our way through. And James says in James chapter 2 and verse 24, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Hang on a second, isn't that, that, could that be right? I mean, surely it's meant to be the other way around. Surely it's meant to be that we, we save by faith alone and not by what we do. I mean, isn't that what Paul teaches? For example, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, For it's by grace you have been saved through faith, not by works, not by what you do. Again, in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16, A person is not justified, not saved by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus. So which is it? Are we saved by what we do and not by faith alone? Or are we saved by faith alone and not by what we do? Is this a contradiction? Well, no. Paul and and James are speaking to very different audiences, addressing very different problems. And although they use the same terms, righteousness, faith, good works, they use them in very different ways. So it's not a contradiction. They are merely emphasizing different aspects of faith. And the biggest difference that they have is the way they use the word faith. 
Perhaps an illustration to help. There's a very uh, famous story about a tightrope walker in the 1800s called Charles Blondin. And uh, he, he apparently set up a tightrope across the Niagara Falls. A huge crowd came to watch him. And as he walked across the tightrope, the crowd cheered. Eventually, he was walking across the tightrope backwards. And the crowd cheered even louder. Then eventually, he wheeled a wheelbarrow across the tightrope. And again, the crowd cheered. And then he asked the crowd, Do you believe that I could wheel a person across the tightrope in the wheelbarrow? And the crowd cheered, Yes, we believe you can. And then he asked the crowd for a volunteer. (laughs) And suddenly the crowd became very silent. You see, it's one thing to believe that he could wheel a person across the tightrope in a wheelbarrow. But it's another thing altogether to get inside the wheelbarrow. And so, true faith is not merely believing. True faith is getting into the wheelbarrow. And so, when Paul uses the word faith, Paul is talking about a true living faith. He's talking about getting into the wheelbarrow. He's talking about putting your complete trust in Jesus. James, on the other hand, when he uses the word faith in this passage, is not talking about a true living faith. He's talking about merely believing. Merely believing that he could wheel a person across the tightrope in a wheelbarrow. That is a dead faith. Three times in our passage, James in verse 17, verse 20, and verse 26 says this kind of faith, this merely believing is a dead faith. It's not a living faith. A true living faith gets into the wheelbarrow. It leads to good works. It is fruitful. It bears fruit. So just to be very, very clear, we are saved by faith, And not by good works. There is absolutely nothing you can do, nor need to do, to earn God's love and acceptance and forgiveness. We are saved purely by putting our trust in Jesus' death on the cross for us. By getting into Jesus' wheelbarrow. That is faith. And that's what Paul is talking about when he says we are saved by faith and not by good works. However, although we are not saved by good works, we are saved for good works. In other words, we are not saved by a fruitless faith, but we're saved by a fruitful faith. A true living faith always produces fruit. It always leads to good works. It leads to the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Paul is in complete agreement. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6, the only thing that counts is faith. What kind of faith? Faith expressing itself through love. A true faith, a real faith, a living faith, always produces fruit. 
always leads to good works, always produces the fruits of the Holy Spirit, love. So James says in James chapter 2, in verse 26, As the body without the Spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Faith without deeds, fruitless faith is dead. What does a dead person do? Nothing. It's not a trick question. A dead person does nothing. What does a dead faith do? Nothing. Nothing. The question, the question that James is asking us today is, do you have a living faith or a dead faith? Do you have a fruitful faith or a fruitless faith. You see, there were people in the church that James is writing to, people who had, had been going to church for many years, and yet James says their faith is dead. Coming to church, coming to church regular, even thinking you are a Christian, does not mean you have a living faith. Your faith can still be dead. So how do we know if we have a living, fruitful faith or a dead faith? Well, James gives us two examples of a dead faith and two examples of a true living faith. So the first sign of a dead faith is merely giving lip service. We read in verse 14, James says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? The answer is it, it's no good. Okay? Can such faith save them? No. Such faith cannot save them. It's dead. James then gives us a case study in verse 15 and 16. Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? It's of no good. It doesn't help in any way whatsoever. A dead faith merely gives lip service. It says a lot of things, often good things, but it does Nothing. Imagine the scene. Someone in church is in real need, in a financial crisis, or perhaps it's a, it's a neighbor of yours who's in real financial need, in real difficulty. And you respond by quoting a Bible verse. The Lord will provide all your needs. Or by, or by giving a cliche. Uh, when God closes a door, He opens a window. Or, or, you know, I, I just trust the Lord, I'm praying for you. You sound so religious. You sound so spiritual, but the person still leaves empty-handed. Prayer over his head, but no clothes on his back and no food in his stomach. A dead faith does a lot of talking. Mere lip service. Says a lot of good things, but does nothing. In contrast, a true living faith shows real love and compassion. This has been the major theme in the book of James. In James chapter 1, he says, don't just listen to the word, but do what it says. And then he gives the example, looking after orphans and widows in their distress. 
In chapter 2, he says, Do not show favoritism, but obey the royal law. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Show real love and compassion. When you have a true living faith, in a very organic way, you are touched by the poor, the broken, the marginalized, the messed up, or just those people who are very different to you. You're drawn to them. Your heart goes out to them. You, you find yourself becoming more tolerant, more accepting, more forgiving, more loving, more compassionate. Why? Why, why do you become more loving and more compassionate? Well, when you come to put your faith in Jesus, you come to realize that you are a sinner. That you are messed up. That, that you are selfish and self-centered. Yet despite this, God loves you. God forgives you unconditionally. There's nothing you need to do to earn that love. And when you're touched by that amazing love of God, you simply cannot... Stop yourself from being more tolerant and forgiving and understanding and compassionate towards other people. You just can't stop yourself. Now that doesn't mean you're perfect. But it does mean you're growing. That you, you're constantly becoming more forgiving, more understanding, more loving, more compassionate. The second sign of a dead faith is merely believing. James says you believe in there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. The belief that there is one God was a central belief within Judaism. Every day the Jews would pray a prayer called the Shema. And they would say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. This was a central belief belief within Judaism. And what James is saying over here is that there were people in the church who had reduced a living faith to merely believing all the right things. Merely having a good theology. You can know the Bible from back to front. You can have a perfect theology. You can believe all the right things and believe them intently and still not be any better than a demon. Do you realize that demons have perfect theology? They believe God is one. They believe Jesus is the Son of God. They believe Jesus rose from the dead. They believe Jesus is coming back to judge the living and the dead. And it scares their wits out of them. It doesn't do them any good. It just scares the wits out of them. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a good theology, having a good belief system. James says it's good. We need a good theology. We need a good belief system. But a good belief system in and of itself doesn't make you any better than a demon. Simply believing that God is one counts for nothing unless it makes a change in your life. If you merely believe all the right stuff, you merely have a good theology, you are no better than the demons because you have a dead faith that is absolutely useless. A true faith is not merely believing. 
A true faith is getting into the wheelbarrow. And that always has a profound impact upon your life and leads to fruit. In contrast, a true living faith trusts God. A true living faith doesn't merely believe, doesn't merely believe, but a true living faith gets into the wheelbarrow. It puts its complete trust into God. And James gives us two examples of people who have a true living faith, who really trust God. The first is Abraham, who is the father of Israel. And he says in verses 21 to 23, Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. Now, do you remember, hopefully you remember, how God tested Abraham's faith by asking Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac? Now, of course, God was never going to allow Abraham to actually sacrifice Isaac, but within that ancient Near Eastern culture, the other religions of that day did actually require you to sacrifice your children. So this was a very suitable test for Abraham. Now, James assumes that we know the book of Genesis pretty well. For when we read verses 21 to 23, it seems as though Abraham first offered his son Isaac as a sacrifice, and then later he believed in God, and God considered him to be righteous. But if you knew Genesis very well, you would know that it was in Genesis chapter 15 that Abraham believed in God, and God considered him righteous. And then because of that faith, later, in Genesis chapter 22, Abraham, because he trusts God so much, he trusts God with the life of Isaac, he's able to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. You see, his faith was made complete by what he did. That's true faith. True faith always translates into action. True faith is not merely believing in God hypothetically. True faith is trusting God with your life. The second example is of Rahab. The most unlikely example of faith. Firstly, she was a foreigner. Secondly, she had a very bad reputation. She was a prostitute. Yet she displayed great faith when she risked her life by hiding the Israelite spies in her house. And we read in verse 25, In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. See, again, that is true faith. We're told in the book of Judges that she first came to believe in the God of Israel. And then it's because of her belief in the God of Israel that she risks her life by hiding the spies. That's true faith. True faith always translates into action. True faith isn't merely believing in God hypothetically, but it's trusting God with your life. And he has a, he has a nobody whose life isn't sorted. It's all messed up. And yet she displays true faith and she does something beautiful for God. 
true living faith is not a fruitless faith, but a fruitful faith. True living faith is not merely lip service, but a genuine love and compassion. A true living faith is not merely believing in God, but trusting God with your life. And this faith is risky. But it's this faith that counts. It's this faith that makes us being considered righteous. And it's this faith that saves. And James, Jesus' little brother, is giving us wisdom for life. He's encouraging us to ensure that we have a living faith that is fruitful. But... What do we do if we don't have this living, fruitful faith? Well, what do we do if our faith is kind of dead? How how can we revive our faith? By doing more? By trying harder? By doing more stuff? No. That would be salvation by work. The way we revitalize our faith, the way we ensure that we have a living faith is by focusing on and developing our friendship with God. There's a very key phrase at the end of verse 23. It says, And Abraham was called God's friend. He was called God's friend. Another huge contrast Between a dead faith and a true living faith? A dead faith knows a lot about God. A true living faith knows God personally. You become God's friend. You spend time with God. You talk with God. You want to please God and obey God, not because you're scared of God or not out of some sense of duty, but because you're His friend. And you want to make him smile at you. Now the interesting bit is that friendship with God is not only the result of a true living faith. But friendship with God also produces and sustains a living faith. You see, it's by by spending time with God, by by, by talking to God and praying with God and, and reading your Bible and, and allowing God's love to come into your life. By developing your friendship with God allows God's love to come into your life, to invade your life and to transform you and to make you more and more like Jesus. And it, and it gives you this very fresh, vibrant, dynamic faith that is fruitful. So is your faith A dead faith or a living faith? Do you merely give lip service? Or are you constantly becoming more forgiving, more loving, more compassionate towards all people? Do you merely believe in God hypothetically? Or do you trust God with your life? I can remember when I was still a teenager, before I became a follower of Jesus, if you were to ask me, do you believe in God? I would say yes. I believe in God. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. In fact, I would say that because I believe in God and believe Jesus is the Son of God, I'm going to heaven. But it was a dead faith. I didn't know God. I wasn't God's friend. It made absolutely no change or impact in my life or my behavior. 
In fact, being a surfer and being in the in crowd, there were a lot of people I simply didn't associate with. I wouldn't talk to them. I would look down at them. I would make fun of them. And then I became a follower of Jesus. And I came to to realize that God loved me. Despite all my faults and, and my image, God loved me. He loved me so much that He died for me. He loved me unconditionally. There was was absolutely nothing I needed to do nor could do to earn God's love and acceptance. He, He just loved me because He loved me because He loved me. And when I was confronted by that amazing love of God, I decided to put my faith, put my trust in Jesus. I decided to surrender my life to Jesus and to follow Jesus and to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I became God's friend. I got to know God and spend time with God. I would talk to God. I would read my Bible. And as a result, this this had a huge impact on my life. It changed me and it transformed me. I suddenly find myself being far more more loving and forgiving and accepting towards other people, towards all people. Far more compassionate to other people. Now, it doesn't mean I was perfect. Far from it. Just ask Victoria. But it does mean I'm growing. I'm growing in my friendship with God. Getting to know Him more and more every day. Constantly becoming more forgiving. More understanding, more loving, more compassionate. So is your faith a dead faith or a living faith? Do you merely give lip service? Or are you becoming more forgiving, more loving, more compassionate? Do you merely believe in God hypothetically? Believe all the right stuff, have a perfect theology. Know your Bible back to front. Do you believe in God hypothetically or do you trust God with your life? Reflect upon those questions for a moment. It will move into a time of prayer where we can reflect upon that. Ask God by His Spirit to to speak to you, to point things out and and to show you you how you need to respond to this Word. Otherwise, we're making the mistake that James says right at the beginning. We're just listening to the Word and not doing it. So let's spend a moment in prayer. Heavenly Father, we so wish to be your friend, to know you personally and intimately, to be changed and transformed by you. We long to have that living, vibrant, true, fruitful faith. But Father, we confess it's so easy to slip into a dead faith, merely giving good lip service, merely believing without having that dynamic relationship with you. Father, won't you forgive us? Won't you help us to ensure that the the main thing always remains the main thing, and that's having a relationship with you, being your friend. And Father, we pray that you would allow your love to invade our life and transform us and change us into the kind of people you want us to be, to transform us into being more and more like Jesus. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.